0: Hey, everybody. We are back. You're listening to Smart Guy, Dumb Guy. I'm your host, Johnny Morrison. And with us, as always, is your favorite, Christian Surge. I'm not your favorite, but
1: (laughs) hello, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Each week and now for the next 23 minutes, we're going to have a conversation about culture, current events, and politics. Thank goodness, from both sides of the intellectual spectrum, because we always want to talk about
0: politics. Can't not talk about politics. I actually I I literally don't know how not to.
1: I'm getting sick and stale and disgusting of talking about politics. No doubt.
0: That is so true.
1: What can we talk about beside the fact that we have just a, a stalemate with politics and people are attaching their politics to their identities and everybody hates each other and people are unfriending other people and yelling and screaming and the MAGA march of 5,000 people are just wishful thinkers. And like, what do we talk about?
0: there's like anything, like you're just asking for anything else, what can we talk about? Yes. Well, you know, hobbies, do you have any hobbies you wanna talk about? Uh, you wanna talk about your music career? Do you want to talk about D D? We can always go down the nerd Ooh. the nerd hole and uh, my single
1: that I've I released, I'm alive, you can find it on Spotify. I and anywhere streaming music is served. I literally thought maybe a couple hundred streams, and I, I love my friends and family, and mm-hmm. I thought they're gonna listen to it once or twice and maybe put it in a playlist. But I'm pushing almost five thousand plays. And for me, that's a big deal. I, I, but, that's
0: a huge deal. But, I mean, I, I did listen to it 100 times in a row. Um, <laughs> I
1: know you didn't.
0: <laughs> but that doesn't even matter. Once you're in the 5,000 range, me, me listening to it 100 times in a row, it's not even, that's not even. doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, when you look at Spotify and you
1: look you know, at the song you see the plays and how many plays, the question I have is what, how many plays does it take for you to go, oh, that's a good song? Is it 10,000, 100,000? One thousand.
0: Do you look at it? Like, do you look at a song and say, I'm going to listen to this based upon how many plays there are?
1: No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But like when you look up uh, Train and, you know, Calling All Angels... It's been listened to over 1 billion times. Like It's hard not to see a nine-digit number.
0: Also, Train is the most Christian reference you could have possibly made. I was literally talking about you earlier today. I was telling somebody about you earlier today, and I used Train as a descriptor. I cannot believe that's the band that you just pulled out as the song choice. I know the bass player for Train. I wish
1: that. Um, maybe we can have him on the show one of these days. His name's Charlie. He's a really cool artist. Could tell us some stuff about art and some really crazy stories. But yes, Train. Let's Maybe we can switch it to the Christian music in my category. Chris Tomlin or uh,
0: drawing a blank. Um, um, I got to be honest with you. I may be a pastor, but you're the only Christian <laughs> artist I listen to. Yes, thank you. <laughs> On loop
1: a hundred times. A hundred times. You. I really need you to come up with another song. I just wish that it would be okay as a Christian artist to have like a sponsor that's like an alcohol sponsor because they're mm. all over the place. People mm-hmm. are sponsoring alcohol. People are uh, making their own alcohol. Celebrities, but I don't think that's probably not a good idea, right? If I was, if I got a sponsor that was like like Skull Vodka or something mm. as a Christian artist. W-
0: Well, this is not exactly the same, but I uh, did some modeling recently for my wife's company, Bare Bones Living, and uh, the picture that they posted to their Instagram is me pouring a bottle of whiskey. So does that qualify as a Christian sponsorship of whiskey? It does qualify, actually, as a pastor to pour whiskey. Is it okay
1: to drink whiskey as a pastor?
0: Yeah, in my tradition, it is for sure okay to drink. There is, you know, there is some, honestly, some traditions where drinking alcohol is real... um, a real no-no, the one I grew up in. You were not allowed to drink alcohol as a Christian, but I mm-hmm. left that one.
1: You know, when I look at some of these celebrities who have alcohol, like they, they've created their own. A couple ones I really like, uh, Casa Amigos, George Clooney. But mm-hmm. the picture of him is like Mexico, and he's like sharing all of his tequila with like all of the, you know, the mm-hmm. workers, the Mexican workers digging up the agave. What mm-hmm. would it look like for Johnny Morrison, pastor? Mm-hmm. Of like Johnny's, you know, Corn hash
0: whiskey, wait, corn hash, corn, corn mash. mash whiskey. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It'd be great. It would be like, like, a like Reformation whiskey. Um, yeah. or like, or, uh, yeah, something like it, you know, like St. St. Jay's, St. Saint Jay's whiskey, hey, St. Jay's holy water. Maybe Tori, your wife could, uh, wait, can I
1: name her on the show? Uh-huh. I think so. Maybe Tori, your wife could take a picture of you like in service with like Reformation whiskey, your own whiskey, <laughs> pouring pouring it into like the cup. Is that blasphemous, right? Like oh, like into the communion? Like, yeah, like people doing <laughs> communion with Reformation whiskey. That's <laughs> fine. I'm a little reverent today. I am. We this is this has been all over the place, but I like it. Uh, I I have to admit that during COVID, and I think this is probably around the horn, uh, During COVID, I have had a few glasses of wine. I've had, Mm -hmm. I've explored some whiskeys and some tequilas, and I feel like that that alone could probably slow down the virus. Because if we all drink at home, we'll all stay home out Mm -hmm. of the indoor areas. We won't gonna want to go to school. We won't want to go to work. We'll just stay home and Mm -hmm. get boozy and Mm -hmm. slow the curve of this virus.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying is that the government policy should be uh, stay home and drink. Maybe there can be some kind of like stimulus check just for uh, purchasing your ration, like stimulus a, bonus. Yes, like if you stay
1: home and drink okay. your ration and prove it, you get extra money to buy more booze.
0: I definitely this is gonna be giving away. I definitely drank a decent amount throughout all of COVID, but spent less money probably than ever on alcohol because I wasn't going out anymore, which is that kind of mm. that weird dynamic. I think I was drinking more which was not you know like excessive but more than i was before and spending less because i wasn't going out yeah i mean how
1: much do you spend when you go out and to do just a, a night like on the town not like you know party drinking but you know a few drinks and dinner drinks you know equate to you know fifty, sixty 60 oh, dollars
0: wow. yeah quickly yeah very fast easily
1: a couple of drinks you're in you know for you and, and your lady it's like 60 bucks mm-hmm. and that'll buy you a good bottle of whiskey
0: oh yeah yeah, When you do $13 cocktails at a restaurant, yeah, very quickly buy a $40 bottle of whiskey and last you a long time. All right. Well, it looks like that
1: um, I'll be seeking a alcohol sponsor for my music. Okay. And uh, Reformation
0: Whiskey, St. <laughs> Jay's Reformation, will be uh-huh. in the
1: communion cup this Sunday.
0: That's right. That's right. And the little plastic ones, because that's what we use during COVID, you know, like the little sealed. So <laughs> got a lot of work to do. Would you have like if could people choose a little cup like Reformation whiskey
1: or like Reformation old fashioned like pre-mixed? Oh, like a batch, like a batch yeah. cocktail yes. communion whiskey. Very nice. This is I don't know if this is the best discussion we're having. I'm just we're taking
0: it way too far. <laughs> that's true. I'm everybody. If you go to my church, it's not that's not what it'll be just just normal juice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to our banter. Uh, you may be just as sick of being quarantined or curfews with all the new ca- rises in cases. You know, states really worked hard to avoid wearing masks or, or putting their masks on. In California, where I'm at, a lot of the counties went from orange back to purple, where we have now have a curfew in place. Mm. And I, I guess the message I want to send is, just wear your mask and with this this idea of faith over fear, we're going to do, we're going to have faith over fear, so we're not going to wear a mask. What you're saying, I want you all to listen to me. What you're saying is when you say, I'm going to have faith over fear and not wear a mask and just go out there, is you're putting other people in danger. Mm. That's what you're doing potentially. Mm-hmm. So wear a mask. Yeah. Very simple. Like one time in church, you said, read your
0: damn Bible. I did say that. I would say, wear your damn mask. Yeah, I agree. Amen. Yes. Church over. Church over. Go
1: home. Speaking of wearing masks, we are full in the pandemic for a second time Mm -hmm. around. And there have been some numbers that have been released. There are actually, some of them are quite surprising. Some of them are not. And it's an article that we're going to talk about today.
0: Yep. So the New York Times released their podcast, the the Daily, on Thursday morning about the economic effects of COVID nineteen. And I think even on this show we've talked about it before. Um, there's been lots of articles about the economic effects of COVID nineteen. But they were walking through some of the new numbers that are emerging, highlighting how folks who are upper middle class have, for the most part, stayed very stable. Some of you even made money. But if you are lower income, you've actually lost money, millennials are losing money for the most part. So kind of just measuring out the economic downsides of COVID-19 and what it could do long-term. Wait a second. Yep. You said millennials are losing money?
1: Yeah. It's because they quit their jobs after two days because they didn't get a promotion.
0: Uh, what, what a Gen X thing to say <laughs> about millennials. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's The tricky thing about it for groups like millennials or low-income families is that they've not had the chance to put away any kind of savings or nest egg because they've lived through so many financial crises. So there's it's moving them backwards. Millennials are the first generation in American history who are statistically likely to have less money than their parents at the same age of their parents. Right. Mm. So these things don't help that. But mainly what I was thinking about as I was listening to the show is a question, which is like, what are some of the painful realities of COVID the pandemic that we are not talking about or have stopped talking about that you've noticed? Cause I've been thinking about this recently as I've sat down with people um, or done Zoom calls with people who are feeling isolated. And I feel like I'm, I'm hearing a new set of uh, difficulties and struggles with COVID and economic is for sure one of them. But I was wondering if you'd heard any others, like what are some of the things that we're not talking about but should be?
1: Yeah, one issue that seems to be in the forefront, it may not be a super important issue, but I look at it and it kind of scares me a little bit is that I know three or four people who have had young babies in the pandemic and they're Mm. isolated. And these kids are now almost a year old. And some of them that that were born just before the pandemic, you know, they're they're getting used to a world where people are in masks and to be isolated Mm. and to be away from them. And typically, mm-hmm. right, babies are, are you know, we everybody holds them and, and cuddles and caresses and kisses on them, and they're not. Mm-hmm. What is that going to do to their psyche? Are we going to have a generation of kids that are, and I'm not just talking introverted, just scared mm-hmm. of human touch, human interaction, and what's that going to do to our civilization? I think yeah. it could be a big effect. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think... I have the benefit of living with my wife. So isolation is not a thing that I think about as much. But I've been this week just even with people who live alone, who the sense of isolation that COVID-19 has brought on has felt so intense and so poignant and so sad. And, and the isolation that is not just you don't get to see people, but that you're not touched. You're not... Mm. Um, look to eye and eye, you're not heard in the same way, you can't be with people for the same length of time to have the same kind of moments. It's similar to what you named with like newborn babies, but we're all bodied creatures mm-hmm. and we need human bodies within our like our domain to, to feel whole and like we have a sense of ourselves. And, and I don't know that I realized how painful that reality is for some of us in the midst of this moment as I have this week, just listening to folks talk about it. I vaguely remember a study of someone who was put in isolation and denied touch
1: by a human being Mm. and the effects were um, devastating to Mm -hmm. them. So I don't know if we can last like this forever. And, you know, in civilization, especially now, because we're such a now society, it's like, if anything lasts for more than 15 minutes, we're like, Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, when will this ever Mm -hmm. end? So, but I do, I, I, I feel for those that are in isolation, you know, I have a 17 year old son and a wife at home, and sometimes we want isolation because we have nowhere to go. Yeah. You know, in California, such a small space, but um, I think it's going to affect us for years to -hmm. come. I'm really interested in the numbers that these two guys talked about. Now, I read the article, it was three paragraphs long, so I don't count that as an article. I count this as kind of a faux article. You kind of bait (laughs) switched me here.
0: Well, there's a podcast that you could listen to that's like 25 minutes
1: if you wanted to. I listened to the first 10 minutes I did, and I don't know if you've seen Shit's Creek, but the character David, it sounded Mm -hmm. like there were three Davids Mm. on the podcast, and they were different people. (laughs) Just delightful. What was happening? What's happening? So I got through about 10 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, David. But once I got over the three Davids being on the podcast, Uh the number that struck me uh, really hard was consumer spending was up by 7.2%. And I know here on the show, we're always talking about, well, you're always talking about buying local, I agree with you. Buy local, buy local. Um, You you yourself have experienced uh, losing a business during COVID Mm -hmm. because buying local was really difficult for the first couple of months for people. But consumer spending
0: is up 7.2% and it's not really going to the right people, in my opinion. Yeah the article is great because it does, it just presents like a graph that shows some numbers or like, it just like boxes of the numbers back and forth. And so you see who's made money during COVID and like people who basically had money have done well. And then you see who's lost it. So it's like next to the 7.2% of growth of consumer spending on goods. You have a 6.1% decline in consumer spending on services Mm. from January to September and services are, you know, local restaurants, local movie theaters, local bars. And, and that's where we lost our small business was because of decline of consumer spending, and I'm watching friends who own bars and restaurants struggle to figure out how to survive. How do you do COVID well? How do you keep people safe? How do you make any money? How do you pay your employees? Uh, and and they're not receiving any more assistance after the PPP loans or the stimulus check. Like nothing else has come out for them, and I think we're we're watching the unraveling of that lack of help. Like they're not getting the support they need and. Uh, I worry what we'll see in the midst of that.
1: We've often talked about, you know, the next great depression. We thought it was going to happen in 2008 with the housing crash, and we've people have warned us. But this feels real. They talk mm-hmm. about numbers in this podcast, like you know, we've lost 10 million jobs, and that is more than we lost in the depression. And yes, while there's six times more people, or maybe 10 times more people, that's a big deal. What are we going to see? Like, I don't think we've even begun. To see, And I'm I'm like everybody else. I don't know. Sometimes when I read the New York Times or the Washington Post Mm -hmm. or the Houston Chronicle, regardless of their right and left uh, uh, polarization, it's just like doomsday. It's just Mm -hmm. sad shit everywhere.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It is hard to balance it because I think about all of the experts who talked about what the recession or what the COVID recession would be. They were almost universally wrong about how bad it would be. And then now they're kind of owning that, that it was like, oh, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be in large part because consumer spending was up 7.2%. And I think there was like 22 million jobs were lost originally and 12 million of those are already back. So it's like, okay, maybe it won't be as bad, but there's still this like unknown reality or the reality that people who, like the 10 million people are living in already, which is so it's like there is something that is bad, something unknown. And I don't know how to measure that. Is it as bad as the New York Times is saying it is? Or is it some weird in between? Well, I live in an area that a lot of service workers live and mm. a lot of them have
1: lost their job. They've been able to tuck away some money and their living expenses are low, uh, generally speaking, but there's a lot of jobless people around. And I ask myself, what can I do? I have a job. What can I do? I think we should all ask ourselves that. What can we do to minimize this, mm. the effects of covid and thats I'm not talking about mask wearing. That should be our minimum. What do we do for the people, like what's going on around us? All we got to do is look around. People, mm-hmm. Everybody knows someone who's lost a business, a job, who's struggling. And how do we react?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Because I, I think, I was thinking about this too. Like this goes to the bigger question of like, what are some of the unsaid things? I think everybody's naming the economic reality at some level. But I don't know that what we're naming is what we talked about last week is the resentment that occurs when people get further and further away from achieving their dreams. Mm. And so for the, for people who are suffering the most, this is a serious moment and it's not helping and it's hurting them even further. And I think we look at it, we see a politically divert, we see a politically divided moment now, and I would not be surprised if emerging out of the pandemic we're not more unified, but that it actually sows the seeds of even greater division because it further separated it out those who were struggling economically and those who were not.
1: Thank you for being yet another doomsayer. Jeez. <laughs> the hell, Johnny, yeah, I'm sorry. You're supposed, you're supposed to give us
0: hope. You're the pastor. You're the you're the reverend. You're the author. That's true, but you know it's a bit. Yeah, that's true. But I ju- I just had to tell you what I I worry about as I look at some of these numbers. Sure. Um, no. Is there opportunity for something else? Like, I like your question, though. Like, there's opportunity for thinking about our resources and our neighborhood differently in light of this.
1: Yeah, I think that when when we see the uh, political leaders, like when Biden come up and he goes, "Hey, look, folks," you know, when Trump was interrupting him, he's like, "Look, folks, w- go out and vote, and don't just vote here. Vote in your local community because this matters." And I think if we just apply that, this matters down through our states our counties our cities our districts i don't know i think that'll help and then yeah buy local and then look look around your neighborhood what am i supposed to do here how do i help Mm -hmm. the neighbor for real and if we can all be a little bit more vulnerable Mm -hmm. maybe we can find out on our neighbor maybe we can knock on the door and say hey i just wondered if you need some help and um or just go do something for somebody
0: yeah i don't know yeah that's a great
1: that's great suggestions well, in the future, I hope that we can do more for people. And one of the things that the Israelis are doing for the future, I read this article, was they've come up with this device that projects sound into your head without any headphones.
0: Yeah, dude, it, this article is wild. It blew my mind. So there's this company
1: called Noveto. They're out of Israel, and they invented this device that essentially takes a ultrasonic wave and it points it towards your head. And then, I don't know if you know much about hearing, but I have hearing loss in one ear from all my rock and roll days and uh, on my left ear. But the hearing bone itself, there's two parts to your ear. There's the hearing nerve and the hearing bone. The hearing bone Uh, you can actually do a hearing test. They put it on the the bone itself and you can actually hear Mm. something like in your head. And it's kind Mm. of startling. It it feels like, you know, somebody's speaking to you like, Moses, you know, it's like God is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Like, where is that coming from? Because nothing's on your ears. But they are projecting it uh, into your face, (laughs) essentially, and it supposedly can follow you around. And I thought, how cool is this? Because, you know, as a guy that has developed um, some tech and... Uh, patented uh, a camera a vr camera system things like that i love technology and i love the idea of making lives better and then i I go really dark with this i'm like wait a minute, (laughs) what does this look like for personal devices in the future Mm. like we're going to be able to walk down the the sidewalk and people are going to be listening and they're going to look like they're doing nothing
0: Mm-hmm. And you're gonna be
1: talking to them, and or you're gonna to try to honk the horn at them, but they're not, you know, they're not gonna hear anything. And they're just gonna get run over or something, or like our kids. I mean, all kids don't listen to their parents already, but how are we gonna know what they're listening to? We're not even be able to see what they're listening to, or even if they're listening to something. They could just be like, "Yeah, mom, yeah, dad," just watching our mouths move. I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of did that as a kid. And then does this open the door? Like, is this kind of cool? Like the hearing bone itself. Some people, their nerve is 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 deaf. Is this gonna open up mm-hmm. more? Yeah, uh, for for the deaf, and then of course you know Israel, like Israel, are they're kind of our uh, our gangsters. You know, if we don't want to do it, if U.S. doesn't want to do it, we call Israel under the mm-hmm. under the table and say, hey, you know, go blow them up, or you know, real good, go blow them up. Um, I don't. That was my Donald Trump.
0: It's Southern. it's pretty good. It's <laughs> okay. all
1: right. I hate it. <laughs> I don't know. What were the potential terrors
0: that someone could impose
1: on us using hmm. this
0: technology? mm Hmm. I you know it's it's hard I'm I don't know as much about tech as you so it's hard to imagine but I've I've referenced a philosopher on the show named Jacques Aloul who is a French philosopher but one of the things that he talks about with technology is that we can't help but in a technological society to develop technology all the way hmm. and so one of the things that he uses an illustration is he's like you don't get nuclear power alone nuclear power always leads to nuclear weapons it just always does like the the technology always gets driven all the way through because you're applying technological advancement to a thing and so you just keep advancing it and systems keep developing and questions keep getting asked and you keep thinking about it critically and that continues to evolve and the technology continues to expand so he's like so so at some level i think like you naming what kind of terrorists will emerge from this can it be weaponized i think the question is like or the answer is like yeah, it is. It will be that always is the outcome of technology in a technical society that applies the technical method reflexively over and over and over again because we have this like nascent search for advancement.
1: Yeah, well, you, boy, what you said just got me thinking, you know, when DJI started making drones and drones starting to fly themselves and then being able to to fly on a path and then, of course, knowing some people who are in the military and they're, you know, already flying drones and pinpointing people and pinpointing little, you know, moments and it's weaponized. And then DJI, you know, gets the, all these military contracts under their belt. And you're like, wow, this is real. And then mm-hmm. you see some vaccines I read in an article were being delivered by drones and supplies Mm. are being delivered by drones in areas of Ethiopia that, you know, hepatitis C or the last bird flu. And so I'm just like, wow, this is interesting. While it's saving people's lives, it's also being weaponized. Mm -hmm. Is that like an Adam and Eve, you know, good and the bad thing? Like, is that just the way the world is? Like, did he name something even more so? This French, is this a French philosopher again? It is a
0: French philosopher. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, he would. I think he would say that it is not always true. It is true of our society, especially over the last eight hundred years or so, as we have recognized that we have technical capabilities and we're going to try to apply a technical mindset to solve problems. So you're like, I'm. Gonna, how are we going to? You know, how are we going to do more work? We're going to develop an engine that's going to be able to lift more, right? You're starting to think technically about problems, and there's never an end to technical solutions because it's a, you know, it's a method that you're continuing to apply. It's, it's you could say, it's the scientific method, and you continue to apply and continue to ask questions. You'll continue developing, and his argument is just like when you do that, it will always lead to the maximum ends of those things. So you'll get to weapons eventually. Um, you can't not because you're continuing to apply the technical method because we believe that technical processes solve all problems. Mm. He said, so you'd have to change the way we think about problem solving in the world if we were going to st- stop inventing on a technology. What would like, we have to change to? Something that doesn't need to keep asking that question and need to, and, or it doesn't, here's what I'd say. A society that does not think all problems are solved by technical solutions. That way, so it have to be a fundamental shift that we don't believe that a technical solution will solve this problem.
1: I mean, as an artist, I sometimes just think a good old fashioned hug would solve a problem. And tell yeah, you that's each not other a technical
0: sorry. solution. That's a that's a hug. That's a human solution. <laughs> oh, gosh.
1: Well, I don't know what's going to happen with the sound beamer uh, or this French philosopher. In my mind, or well, he's dead solutions. so... Oh, he's dead. You know? Oh, thank yeah. goodness, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I the amount of friends philosophers that you know, they actually say some really good things. So I'm kind of starting to appreciate them. You're turning me around after 18 episodes.
0: Well, you know, that's, that's the goal I started out with. <laughs> <laughs> well, last words, what do you got? Um, last words. Okay. Well, I think actually even thinking about these two moments together, like we have problems that are emerging from COVID-19 that are maybe not being said or spoken to enough or that we don't know. And, A technical solution is not going to solve all the problems that are emerging. Technical Mm. solution can't solve isolation. Like people have access to Zoom. It's not solving the isolation. We need Mm. other more human, more personal, more local solutions to the problems that we're watching emerge. Well said. For more tips like this.
1: (laughs) For more sweet life hacks. Man, that was really good. Everyone, that ends our episode of Smart Guy, Dumb Guy. Like I said, please subscribe. We'd love to have you as a a subscription owner and user be a part of Smart Guy, Dumb Guy. Text Mm -hmm. us, email us, send us a message, follow us on Instagram. And more importantly, come back again next week if you like our conversations and have your own. Thanks for listening so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks. You have been listening to a Smart Guy and a Dumb Guy production, a podcast exploring culture, current events, and politics from both sides of the intellectual spectrum. See you next time.